When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, fellas? How you doing? How you doing, y'all? Just chill. Yeah, doing good. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, I got to ask you guys a quick question. Did you guys tune into the quarterback documentary on Netflix? I have. I have seen the quarterback, man. I saw a couple episodes. Uh, maybe they should just call it Mahomes at this point. I don't know. Man, I, this year's just probably called the Mahomes episode. I've binge to watch them all, but you know, what about what about you, B Dirt? How about I, I you? I haven't seen them, man. You uh you binge watch like how long is the binge watch? Is this uh is this worth me diving into for the yeah, weekend? Eight episodes. Eight episodes, 45 minutes apiece. It's not that long. So you can pretty much binge it within several hours. You know, Um, I will say this, though, you know, because I knew you haven't necessarily watched it yet. A lot of our fans, they seen this. There's a clip. (laughs) It's funny. There's a clip of Pastor Mahomes talking about, you know, who he'd rather play in the playoffs, the Bengals or the Bills. And that's that's gone viral on Twitter and and Bengals meet Bengals Twitter. And. To my surprise, I've interacted with a lot of Bengals fan base in our community on Twitter, and they will not watch this documentary. And I'm to the point where it's like, to be honest, man, I don't care. But, yes, you are digecting too much Mahomes at this point to where you might as well just call it the Mahomes documentary. But I do think that you will find it relatively surprising about how they talk about the Bengals in a solidly good way, I should say. Uh, That's – I don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> that, that just seems like it's just it's a bad taste to me. I don't, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to spoil it. I'll binge watch it. Let's go gotcha. ahead and start the show. Welcome to the show. We are running through the jungle. I'm one of the hosts here, Brandon Harriet, with uh, my other lo- uh, host here, Justin Lacey. What's going on, Lacey? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So I'm just in here. We we ready to rock with another show with you all. 
and our guest here, uh, right here from our own channel, Chase Younts. How's it going, Chase? Going pretty good, man. Just uh, excited to be back on and uh, be back on with my Bengals guys talking about some of the recent stuff that's come up. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit to talk about, even though we're you know, in that little law where in, uh, everybody's on vacation. Yeah. Uh, we got what Ruben's party. Uh, we had a siding down there. <laughs> uh, we had some, some fun stuff, but, uh, you know, they get to enjoy themselves a little bit before, uh, the work starts. So it is what it is. Um, yeah, man, let's not waste any time though. Uh, you guys that listening to this, please like it, please subscribe, please, uh, get the notifications jump on those first listens, listen to us every week. We're going to be on here. We will be getting into a little bit more of a structure uh, here shortly. We're right now just trying to get this off the ground and and get some um, audio out there for you, get some content out for you, and uh, kind of go into things as you uh, as they pop up at this point in time uh, until we get closer to you know, camp and our structure being sound going forward. And at that point in time, you'll get to see some of the beautiful logos. Uh, the intro is sick. Um, I know it sounds pretty, pretty great. Uh, you know, my, my buddy mod, even though he's a Cowboys fan hooked us up with that music and the intro mm -hmm. and the video. And it, it's fantastic. Uh, my buddy Steve Bartell helped with the, the, uh, logo and, uh, Something you can't see is there's some merch going on on this shoot, too. So it's uh, pretty fun stuff. My boy Skip Davis over at D4 Graphics hooked that up. So appreciate everybody's help. This has definitely been a family affair here. So what I want to talk to you two about is what were your feelings, just instant gut reaction here, to Corey Dillon's comments about the Bengals' ring of honor? which is much overdue. We'll get into that afterwards. But what was your gut reaction to Corey Dillon's, you know, his thoughts on the matter? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I'll preface by saying this. I'm going to be 100% totally honest. Um, I love Corey Dillon. Um, I was around when he was, you know, going through his Bengals heyday. I was a kid at the time, so – uh, I wasn't able to severely retain like the statistical data and information. All I just know is I was just a kid interested in football and I was a, I was just a casual Bengals fan as a young kid during the nineties. <clears throat> and the infamous moment where he threw his pads in the stands, I remember most of our fan base, including myself was kind of like in support of him based off of everything that he went through uh, with the Bengals. He had joined the Bengals at a tough time. I understood his emotions. I understood his frustrations. But when I first saw the initial comments, the the, the headlining of the comment, um, I wasn't I wasn't supportive of it. In fact, I thought that he was being very selfish at first. And then I see him made his media round and appear on the, you know, Bengals Gym show uh, and Sensei Jungle podcast. For a, lot, for a lot of our listeners that don't know who Bengal Jim is, he is an incredible fan, like super fan in the Bengals community who has an extended reach beyond I can even imagine as a fan. And he had Corey Dillon on his show with his friends. And he opened up and talked about not only just that, but it was just more along the lines of the frustration that he had with the organization. And that kind of got me to calm down and simmer down a little bit about my instant gut reaction about seeing the clipping because he was absolutely right by saying that 
before you read the headline that went viral about his comments about oh they'll put i believe that the comment was like they'll put john kitna or um scott mitchell scott in the ring mitchell, of honor before they yeah. put him on. <laughs> i mean yeah, it, with some, you scott left funny. some expletives out uh in he the middle of there i appreciate that this is a this is a pg version here on the uh yeah on, yeah on the fans I mean, first sport network we're, we're, we're family friendly Yes, we are. Oh yeah, yeah. He he definitely did. He he hold no bars back, and and he even said it. Quote me for every mother effing word. You know he yep, he yep. was a hundred percent clear on that. But if you read the actual article itself, it's really not antagonizing like the Bengals fan base or anything of that at all. More, it's just about his frustrations that man he's he's kind of had a has to advocate for himself well after he's retired from the NFL he retired in 2006 and yet yeah. i feel like no one's really talked about Corey Dillon as amongst the greatest running backs of the game who has ever seen in large because he played in the terrible era in Bengals history so look i i, I was not with the original comments of, at first and then i i understood and i was able to empathize a little bit more but also at the end of the day, man, I support him, man. So salute to you, Corey Dillon, man. I, I got yeah. you. Yeah, he he played in a lot of years that I've tried to forget, and uh, that that Chase, you probably don't remember. You probably had to go back. You got this is tape to you, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't around when Corey Dillon played. You know, for the Cincinnati Bengals, I, he was great you know, to watch. But this, yeah. thank you, thank thank your stars. You weren't you didn't have to sit through all of that. It was. It was tough. It was tough yeah, to watch. It definitely was. I was I was born the first year of the Marvin Lewis era in 2003. And when just uh, going back and I I've, I've heard all, you know, the 15 years of no playoffs, nothing, not even sniffing anything close. And Corey Dillon was was there for what was it, a good 7 or 8 years. He was in Cincinnati before he went mm -hmm. to New England, won a yep. Super Bowl, was a great rusher up there. But I mean, let's also not forget that Corey Dillon at the time did set the single game record for rushing yards in an NFL game against the Denver Broncos in 2000. They upset the Broncos mid-October game, and he did his work. Corey Dillon was a, a thousand yard back every single season. Give it to him all three downs, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest running back in Bengals history. When I looked at the comments and stuff, obviously, like I wasn't around to to see, you know, how bad it was in Cincinnati then. And, you know, he was obviously saying a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of, a lot of words uh, that we should not repeat on this network. But, you know, at first I was like, wow, I mean, this is a, uh, you know, maybe not outlandish, but I was like, maybe he's going a little, little too far out there talking about John Kitna and Scott Mitchell. Cause I mean, for all I know, I know John Kitna wasn't bad in Cincinnati, but Scott Mitchell, I mean, Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. So like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think, I think that might've been a step too far, you know, far and all that. But then when he's mentioning about the fans making the vote, you know, that's garbage. It's garbage. It's solely predicated on uh, the authorities of the Bengals, the owner, the president. Those are words by Corey Dillon. I think, you know, like when voting on all that stuff, like it's cool to have, you know, the fans vote on some of that stuff, but at the same time, I mean, it's like, you know, the fans are also going to see like, you know, do they have respect for this player or not? I think like Justin said, they have, you know, you know, they, they, they were on, you know, some people were on Corey Dillon's side when he threw the pads in the stands, which I didn't know about. I didn't know he threw yeah. pads in the stands and any of that. Oh stuff. yeah. He was done. But yeah, exactly. But it was just like, you know, I think the, the fans that, you know, were connected to the team through thick and thin and really cared. They were like, you know, like 
I actually, you know, I actually, you know, see where he's coming from and stuff like that. Maybe he could have done it a different way, but I see where he's coming from and everything. And I'll support Corey Dillon as well. I think it's just, you know, it, it was the heat of the moment when he was asked about it and everything. So, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt there. But at the same time, you know, you got to think, you got to think twice before you speak. So, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Here's the only thing I'll say about Scott Mitchell. I'm going to leave the rest of this quote out of here, but Scott Mitchell needs to send Coach Mariucci Christmas gift every year because he got that man paid because he didn't deserve that money. Yeah, he went up to Detroit yeah. rob people. Facts. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, Facts. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, took a, we took a flyer just thinking maybe it was Detroit. No, it was Scott Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but I digress. I digress. Um, but – Go ahead, go ahead, Justin. What you got? I was I was going to say this too is uh, to kind of compound along with it that you know for majority of our younger Bengal fans um, that weren't around for the Corey Dillon days, it's tough to put his perspective what he was a lot of times. You know, Chase, you you dove right deep and you you did your homework, and I was very happy to hear it. Sounds like you did your film study, but a lot of times too with a lot of our uh, younger Bengal fans, you know. And I and I'm guilty of this myself because I wasn't around in the 80s with the 49ers. You know, I hear older Bengals fans talk about the, you know, the Super Bowl losses, how much it stings, how much they hate Joe Montana. And I was like, I wasn't really around that time. I wasn't born. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I respect the hell out of Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, all those guys. You know, I watched their film and I just kind of take the emotional aspect out of it. Of in fact, I actually rooted for the 49ers every time they had those rivals with the Cowboys. So I, I get that. But there is something about like being there in the moment in the present time of the Corey Dillon era, because I, it feels like nowadays people only remember the bad of how he yeah. left. And yeah, yeah. they don't remember that he was literally the heart and soul of the whole entire Bengals team yep. that didn't have anything to look forward to. He was the only bright spot. Student you mentioned body left, direction. student body right. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Chase, you mentioned that he had broke the single game rushing record from Walter Payton previously with 278 yards. That was one of the I, I couldn't believe he did it that day. I, I, yeah. I seriously couldn't believe it. Hey, like they had I watched no the hope. entire game. It was the year I graduated from college. So I just that's what I like about the trio of us. We can sprinkle in a, a couple <laughs> yeah. of little different narratives right, yeah, through yeah. this, right? Fun fact um, that game was actually on grass at Paul Brown Stadium. That's actually yeah, wow. that's going a long way since yeah. then. <laughs> Yeah, a long definitely. way. Sure. But yeah. but listen, the biggest thing is, you know, the Ring of Honor is well overdue. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, just had the inaugural class 2022. We got Ken Anderson, Willie Anderson, Paul Brown, Isaac Curtis, Anthony Munoz, of course, Ken Riley. Could they have put some more guys in there since we don't have one right away? Yes, I think they could have. Yeah. They didn't. It is what it is. It's going forward. Now, the way the voting goes, right, there's um, some of the, the team stuff goes for the nominations of who gets nominated. But then there's some voting stuff that I found really interesting. And you, you look on the Bengals website on um, what, what it takes to get in the ring of honor. It says individuals who have played a significant role in the franchise history. If you're a Hall of Famer, you're automatically in. And then it goes on to list more qualifications. You have to be retired, obviously. You got to, um, it takes into uh, consideration these other things Pro Bowls, team records, which, you know, that's the one big knock on the Corey Dillon era, uh, individual achievements, 
And Bengals' first 50 votes goes on to say how they're selected. And this is what I thought was interesting. Thoughtful and sustainable way to maintain the excitement and engagement for years to come. Our season ticket and suite holders hold the distinct honor of voting which former players or coaches they believe should get inducted. Now, that's what specifically Corey Dillon had issue with. But when you read what was right in front of that, maintain the excitement and engagement for years to come. And what are we all talking about? It hit national news. Talking about this ring of honor. So by only allowing two in, by allowing those votes, by allowing those things, it's achieving what they actually put on their website they set out to do. Uh, you can make an argument about it, right? You're staying relevant. Yeah. You're, you got you got debates going on out there. You've got comments going on. And he's passionate because he was really good and he never really got what he deserved here out of the Cincinnati Bengals because our front office at that point in time was trash. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Spade a spade. It is what it is. Our front office was trash at that time, and we never got him the support he needed. So I understand his frustrations, but I think that they're actually doing what they kind of set out to do. So the next thing I want to ask you about the Ring of Honor, we're going to stay right on this subject. 2023 nominations, which are due to be announced, the two that are going to make it next week, uh, according to the Bengals.com website. So that means that he, Corey Dillon's already upset about something that we don't know the answer to, right? Another weird fact. Um, but here's the 13 that are on there. Jim Breach, James Brooks, Chris Collinsworth, Corey Dillon, Boomer Esiason, David Fulcher, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, uh, Tim Crumry, Dave LaFan, Reggie Williams, Bob Trumpy, Max Montoya, and Lamar Parrish. So out of those 13, Chase, who do you think the two are that are getting in? So fun thing is, let me just give a little back thing. So when they first did the Ring of Honor against the Jacksonville Jaguars Thursday Night Football uh, 2021, I was actually at that game. Last year, they did against the Dolphins, was actually at that game. This year against the Rams, Monday Night Football, I'll be at that game. So the two guys that I want to see on the field, during that thing where I think they're going to be, I think Chad Johnson should get in because I think, you know, fans respect him. They love him. They respect him. He, you know, obviously was the AFC leader in receiving yards for three years where we were in a league full of, you know, Terrell Owens and Randy Moss and the guys from the Colts, Marvin Harrison Jr. And I mean, not Marvin Harrison Jr. His son's really good, all right? But Marvin Harrison. And then you got, you know, Reggie Wayne. There were so many great receivers during the 2000s, especially in the AFC. And Chad Johnson did some great things there. And then the second one, you know, I, I don't know if Corey Dillon's going to get in after all of this, but I was just looking like maybe they put, you know, another quarterback in there, maybe Boomer Esiason. I don't know. It, 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 the second one's really tough to pick for me. I think Ocho should get in, but I, that second one's tough. So I'm just going to throw Boomer Esiason out there because Boomer Esiason, for some reason, he's been giving the Bengals a lot of love and all that stuff. And at the same time, you know, he was you know pretty good quarterback and won an MVP in 88. So uh, I yeah. think 
the Bengals fans have valued Boomer more and more with him, you know, being around the organization a bit more, doing some offseason stuff with them, uh, doing some specials for the NFL today and, and other stuff like that. So I, I think yeah. Boomer might get a better nod. Uh, he definitely checks a lot of the boxes. So, yeah. you know, I can't argue with you. Um, Justin, what do you got? You, you agree with Chase or you got somebody else in mind? Well, I 100% agree with Chase, but here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be a cop out and say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, yeah. even though I literally can't, because those are going to be my two guys had he went, had I went first when you asked. <laughs> but I'll make a case for a different former Bengal who also okay. played receiver, and that's Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. Um, Chris Collinsworth and Boomer Esiason, and those are the two that I'm going to stick with. I know one of those were the same. Okay. Those two really sort of elevated – the media landscape for the Bengals and they have done I get it Chris Collinsworth gets ripped on a lot because he's always overly complimentary of you know our rivals and stuff like that but when you in the national media landscape man you kind of have to be that you know so put the personal biasness aside a little bit and then understand the bigger picture of what Chris Collinsworth is trying to accomplish here you know he's First and foremost, pro football focus is being started here in Cincinnati. It's already been started, obviously, but it's it's headquartered in Cincinnati. He always mentions the Bengals, and then sometimes when the national media, especially NBC more in particular, has agendas to go certain directions when it comes to talking points, they always want to try to tell Chris Collinsworth to, you know, this is actually more interesting when actually Chris Collinsworth wants to talk about the Bengals. This is perfect. Because that's more yes. interesting. Yes, this is perfect. Remember, Yes. You remember, remember, week, remember week eight? It was like week eight. We beat the Titans. Okay. Yes. And I think, yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. It was beat the Titans. And then the, the Cowboys and Eagles were playing on Sunday Night Football. And mm. they were like, you know, they're like, oh, I actually want to talk about how the Bengals defeated the Titans. But the network told me I couldn't talk about because it, it wasn't interesting. It's enough. not interesting. That's enough. insane. That's insane, dude. Like, bro, beat a five and one Titans team. And, and, like and we were one in five at the time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like that's the thing that like Chris Collinsworth has done. You know, he's pushed for us. You know, in some landscapes of the national media. And I know, like you said, you know, on television during games, he doesn't really do that or can't really do that and stuff like that. But Chris Collinsworth is is really elevated the Cincinnati Bengals in a national spotlight as well, and mm -hmm. even you know put NBC on the train to even give us some games. So I agree, exactly. with you, Justin. I really do. Yeah, and, and then same with Boomer, you know, a lot of his media work that can't go unnoticed. And they were both part of some really historical teams in franchise history, the 88 team more specifically. But Chris Collinsworth played in both of those Super Bowls in the 80s, 81 and 88. Yes, he didn't have the gaudiest of stats that you can line up against all the other receivers. But we're talking about impact here on and off the field and in and out of the organization. And both of those guys have it. So for me personally, those will be my two picks. Um, I know, again, like I said, one of them is the same. You can't leave Boomer out. Boomer is also a guy that's been undervalued and underappreciated, and he's in the national spotlight all the time. So, but, like, he, I don't think that they will ever really truly recognize Boomer to be in the Hall of Fame for real, and he had some incredible, impactful years with the Bengals, even though some of those years we weren't very good. But he did win an NFL MVP. That got to count for something. If the Carolina Panthers can add Jake DeLome in their ring of honor or their hall of honor, they, what they call it, I think Boomer should get the nod to be in the oh, ring yeah. of honor here. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm going to keep this part short. I agree 100% with Chase. I got Boomer and I got uh, Chad Johnson going in. But you made me think of something a little bit outside the box. 
And I'm going to tell you who I'd like to see on that field. Right after we take a 10-second break here, uh, you're going to listen to a couple of ads to pay some bills, and we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and I am here to let you know, Chase, you said who you wanted to see while you were going to be at that Monday Night Football game against the Rams the day before my birthday. Okay, yeah. I'm going to yeah. tell you who I would like to see. What's your early birthday present? I want to see, um, I would say, I told you who I who I think is going to be there, but I would like to see James Brooks and my favorite Bengal of all time is on this nominee list. Is number thirty three, David Fulcher. David Fulcher. When I was a kid, I was a Fulcher vulture man. I loved it when he came up and stuck people. I don't even know if the man could play in this league the way it's running right now. He may get thrown out of every single game. But my God, did I love watching him hit people. I absolutely loved it. So what I want to know is, Justin, exclude current team, retired only, who's your favorite Bengal of all time? Retired favorite Bengal of all time. Now, I'm going to stick with the era in which you know I, I kind of grew up in. And man, it's it's a very tough question for me because he's not even on his list, but he had much to do about the impactful teams that we've seen, the off the offensive explosion teams. But it's TJ Hushmanzada for me. I know Chad Johnson Ooh, can be an easy like answer, it. but I like it. TJ Hushmanzada just exemplified a level of mental toughness and physical toughness for at the wide receiver position for us that I we were missing ever since he left after the uh 2008 season i believe it was we haven't had that physicality toughness if you ask me until we drafted jamar chase and yeah. uh, you you could probably no shade at like mosanu and marvin jones aj green the guys that came afterwards there but man it, it was just something about tj hushman's out of going across the middle and he also ran post routes too like it was it was just something that i've always appreciated him about he yeah. always got the dirty work yards he was he was our version of Heinz Ward without the recognition or yeah. the Super Bowl rings, of course. Well, and that's he's my favorite retired it, player, Bengal of all time. It's funny that you would bring up uh, a Steeler there because as soon as you said that, I started thinking about something you said last episode, which was, you know, in two thousand five, um, the the knee injury to Carson Palmer was what started everything with the the Steelers. I think what really got ramped up is when TJ took that. That terrible towel shined his shoes, man. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what listen, started that whole hated thing. Yeah. Somebody that lives in Pittsburgh, <laughs> that that thing has a, a special place here because of Myron Coop actually started it as yep. a fundraising thing. Um, and I believe it was for a young lady that had cancer. Da, 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 da. So there's like there's really good heart and meaning behind the terrible towel. So I get why they got upset, 
myself, I couldn't get it. I was laughing, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but TJ, TJ definitely took that to a new level as far oh, yeah. as them coming back at us. Cause they really didn't have any reason. We finally, I don't know. What would it been loose three games in Ohio or something crazy? Like it was wild. So we finally so got a chip at them a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and then when that happened, they just, they went in on us. I'll tell you that was in 2005. That was the second of the two matchups in the regular season. They had beat us the first time here in Cincinnati mm-hmm. in a game in which we left points on the board like crazy. So and man. they ended up, yeah, they ended up running away with and dominating us in that game. The second game, I remember vividly after we won, we would like a little high scoring shootout. TJ Hushman's out had a great game. He kind of most um, Ike Taylor down the right sideline into the end zone. It was my favorite touchdown catch of that year. And then, yeah, after that game, he snatched one of those terrible towels and started wiping his shoes with it. I didn't understand yep. what the uh, sentimental reasoning for it until you just played the beat there about his that that terrible towel mentioning, but. It was it was very funny to me, but it was also a hardcore lesson a little bit, just a little bit that you're going to poke an emotional bear that you better be ready for a different kind of fight. Um, And unfortunately, as history shows that we we were kind of like we kind of got in the shell over the years after that. But to be honest. If we had the mental toughness that I wish that we would have had, I think TJ had it, but it did not permeate enough throughout the team to sort of keep those great te- those potential better teams coming down the stretch. But I'm telling you, man, TJ Hushman's out. There was no fear in that guy. And even when he went to Baltimore and played the Steelers, he he even kept that same energy. It was like, I hate you. I hate those dudes. I can't yeah. wait to play them. And, sure did. you know. He, he, I think he his last game, like last team he played was the Oakland Raiders with Carson Palmer, you know, in 2012 or 2013. That was funny. Um, but then it just came to an end from there. But that's that, that's my guy, man. It's TJ. It's, all right. it's TJ all day. So, Chase, in your fandom years, you got somebody that, uh, that was your all-time favorite Bengal, not on current team? I think you guys know where I'm going to go with this one. I love the TJ pick. And I was like, you know, I was, you know, you know, younger to watch him play, but he was a great receiver. Actually tied for the league leading catches in 2007 with 112 with Wes Welker. Uh, on the other so, team. Yes. so but, it's, but yes, yeah, but, but uh, it's, it's, it's uh, Adriel Jeremiah Green, AJ Green. Hail I mean, easy, easy one for me. I remember he got drafted fourth overall. I was, uh, just a little second grader about to go into third grade when he got drafted. And then by the time I look up, I'm going to college and he's a Cardinal. <laughs> I'm like, he was there my entire elementary, middle school, high school. And just every single year, year in, year out, AJ Green would make, in the words of Dan, uh, Dan Horde, Barishnikov type plays and footwork along the sideline and catches. Yeah. The man really did some great toe taps. He was you know, yeah, so smooth, fluent. Uh, I, I love watching him. Like, it just sounds weird. I love watching him like run a run a ten or fifteen yard dig. Like he, like I don't know what it was. Like it was just you know his fluent break off the line and and cutting inside, catching a ball from Andy Dalton. Uh, I don't know. Just you know, with all the things he was able to do, he was able to line up in the slot. They did that a lot uh, later on in his Bengal uh, career. Did a great job there. Uh, I think games that come into mind with him, uh, I remember, uh, I think it was 20, I think the game that really sticks out to me was uh, 
it was a 2018. I know they played the Ravens on Thursday night football and he had like three touchdowns in like the first quarter, or like the first quarter and like a couple minutes of the second quarter. I mean, he was absolutely dominated because he was the Raven killer. 2015 week three, he played the Ravens and he had two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. He had a touchdown where he caught it in the seam. And then I forget one of the Ravens players was trying to tackle him. And then Will Hill, the safety flipped over his other teammate and he just ran it into the end zone and then caught the, the game winning corner route for a touchdown. The Hail Mary in Baltimore uh, that was punched up in there by uh, by James yes. Hedebo caught that. And I think that was a big form of the cardiac cats. They were, that, was, that was awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the, some of the plays he made against the Steelers were pretty good. The Browns, he had a Hail Mary against them. He just really killed our, killed our division. He re, he really did. Mm-hmm. There's so many great AJ green plays over the years uh, that I could mention, but I mean, I, I, I literally meant like before, like Joe Burrow got drafted, Jamar chase and all that. I mean, I literally was like, this guy's my favorite Bengal of all time, uh, you know, for the era that I grew up in and everything. But, you know, number 18, I have like, I have like three different AJ Green jerseys in my house. And the day that he left the Bengals, uh, I almost decided to uh, raise his jersey in the rafters of my house and just, ri- just rise it up and then just hold this retirement ceremony, get a podium out, and then talk about A.J. Green and how great of a player he was. I just wish we would have won a playoff game. I was at the playoff game in 2015 when he caught the go-ahead touchdown from A.J. McCarron in uh, Section 124, Row 12. Literally, we were parallel. We were, like, right in line with each other, actually, when he caught that touchdown right in front of my face. Etches that thing. That was, all like, one of the greatest moments I've ever seen. And then it got torn to pieces, but I'm not going to go into that. But A.J. Yeah. Green was one of the greatest. And when he gets that opportunity to be in that Bengals ring of honor, it better not be more than a year until he gets in. No, yeah. definitely. I'm I'm with him, bro. I'm with him. And I, I'll get my last, my last little nugget on uh, A.J. Green, too. And I know you be thinking you got to give yours as well. But I did. I literally forgot he retired. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I really just forgot he retired too. He would have counted. I know. I'm thinking that he's still playing yeah. for something. I, I I know. I kind of forgot about it too. I was like like recently retired. I was like, oh well, actually AJ Green did. What the heck? This is this is yeah, like this right. is crazy. Like he literally played. Think about it. He literally played 12 years in the league. Andy Dalton's in year 13. Like where's the yeah. time gone? Where is yeah. it gone? It's 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 amazing, man. You just turn around. These guys are just getting old fast in the league, yeah. man. And. Yeah. To find, you know, and AJ Green is actually my first Bengals jersey too. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, fun fact there, because yeah. um, I wasn't really a jersey, a football jersey collector. You know, growing up nineties, two thousand, early two thousands, it was always basketball jerseys. That was the hot popular thing. But oh, yeah. when AJ Green was drafted number four overall, before that man, people were kind of sleeping on that draft pick. They were saying, "Oh, we needed a quarterback. We should have drafted Blaine Gabbert." Or why do we had to go for a receiver? Mike Brown, you effed up this pick because we already had Jerome Simpson and Andre Caldwell, and you know we needed a yeah. quarterback. Blaine Gabbert was—I remember—he was the guy that a number of people wanted, mm-hmm. and I was just remembering telling myself, "Dude, AJ Green was a." beast at Georgia he was super crazy athletic and he was going to be able to do things that I had never seen Chad no I love Chad Johnson and I know he's been omitted from this part of the conversation thus far but I had never seen a guy in in stripes do what AJ Green did throughout the entirety of his Bengals career yet and even currently now I mean I know you got T Higgins and Jamar Chase Jamar Chase is just all world godly in my opinion Mm -hmm. but 
AJ Green, he was the he was the culture changer in the tone setter. And I always ask people during the 2010s decade that you know how we really knew that we didn't have the truest quarterback at, at that guy at the helm is because I'll give you the name of the team and I will tell you who's the first person they came uh who first person they came up with. I went with Steelers, who was the first person they came up with? It was always Big Ben. Yep. Patriots, well, obviously Tom Brady, Colts, Peyton Manning. Um you know, you, you get the you get the gist. But when I brought yeah. up the Bengals, they said AJ Green. It was always AJ Green. It was never Andy Dalton. People game planned against the Bengals during the early two thousands. Like you have to neutralize AJ Green and make Dalton go somewhere else with the ball. That was the game plan every time, and it was always frustrating to me because that was obvious. And Andy Dalton never adjusted. But I just had to go off on that little tangent. That was a yeah, great selection. I, listen, Man. I I've, I've been stunned ever since you told me that was your first jersey because there's a picture of me trick or treating in an all white uniform with Kenny Anderson on it. So. Yeah, I, I was a little before that time, man. I was a little before that time, I guess. But uh, I'm but interested no, I, to see hear your pick, Beater. I'm interested. Yeah, no, I already have. I, listen, mine was David Fulcher. That's it. Oh, oh, that's okay. you that was a smooth listen, transition, though. That was a smooth transition. I like. If that. I, I like if, it. I, if I, I like did, it. if I was gonna do a, an OLI of somebody that was a little bit earlier, and Justin, I think you know my uh, my love for this guy, Gino. I wish Gino was Gino here to still play with this with yeah. this team, but yeah. but that's that's water under the bridge ain't gonna happen. But I wanted to go, too. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to go on to um, another uh, another subject here. Um, PFF, you know, you guys have mentioned him, you know, with uh, the Consworth connection and whatnot. Uh, you know, I like some of their stuff. Some of their stuff I find really far-fetched and weird. It depends on who's doing the research and whatnot. But something I found really interesting, and I didn't really understand it until I started digging a little bit more, was for the second straight year, the PFF cap health ranking came out with the Bengals as the number one team in football. Um, So real quick, the criteria, they go through five – uh, criteria. It's the top fifty-one vet uh, valuations. So, are you getting what you're what you're valuing them at? What you're paying them at? Are you getting enough out of them? The the second one is rookie contract players. Um, so that they consider that active draft capital. The guys that you have playing on rookie contracts. How are they performing? The third uh, projected cap space for twenty three uh, through twenty five. Fourth, total um, uh, prorated money. And the last one is the 2023 um, unrestricted free agents valuation. Now, when I first looked at it, I thought uh, the ding we would probably take is, you know, projected cap space because I'm thinking uh, three guys are going to get over $100 million, right? Not not, Not so much. That's not where we took the ding. Um, because the projected cap for when all three of them are, are playing is $60 million higher than it is this year. The projected caps 282, um, in 2025. So they don't foresee that being as big of an issue. What we did take a hit on 25th in the, um, Unrestricted free agent valuation, and that's because of T. Higgins and DJ Reader mostly. Uh, 
one of those two guys got to get signed, in my opinion. And I know that they don't like signing thirty-year-old defensive tackles. And he'll get if he gets you know two or three years uh, added on, he'll be he'll hit thirty while he's here. So I, I don't know if that's what they're going to do or not. I, uh, you know, I'm back and forth with what they're going to do with T. Um, the other the other things I thought were very interesting in here is if you look at our AFC North division, we got the Steelers at 18 are the closest ones in valuation. The Browns are 25th in this valuation. Uh, you can thank Mr. Watson uh, or Mr. Jurgens. I'm sorry, Deshaun Jurgens. Bill Cosby. Um, <laughs> and and the Ravens are 27 in 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 cap hell. So my questions are here to you guys. What do you think about that layout first of all, and what do you think the biggest key is going forward to keep that cap health? Is it the structure of Joe Burrow? Is it getting somebody, you know, letting somebody go? What a tough decision is what 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 do you, what we got to do to keep that train rolling? Because I like keeping that going. Justin, what do you think? You know, this <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the other uh, AFC North people on this list. Because it went the all off seasons thus far, all I heard from our ops was most specifically like Ravens fans that the Bengals are going to be in this tough decision. They got to pay Joe Burrow. They're not going to be able to keep everybody and stuff like that. And it's like, man, for real, you know, I get it that the salary cap is a thing that you got to be able to manage. But the Bengals have always been great with salary cap numbers, even when it comes to playing their quarterback. Uh, and then to see the numbers of where they all fall, especially the Ravens at damn near the bottom of the list. That's just that's just very comedy to me because it's very ironic because those are the main ones talking trash. But I'll answer your question in this way. Um, Joe Burrow is obviously the main key that once you get him signed, then they will ultimately see what your cap flexibility is going to be like retaining or extending other guys like T Higgins. And, you know, maybe, maybe you extend Tyler Boyd for another year or so. I get it that we drafted our rookies, Charlie Jones and Andre Yoshivas, but those guys haven't proven anything in the league yet. Those are guys are projects. So you, but we've seen out of T Higgins, Tyler Boyd it's hundred percent. We're getting great production from them. DJ Reader, he was brought up. Uh, Quentin Williams just signed an extension of four-year, $96 million. I know this is going to be sort of like a little bit of fear that DJ Reader is going to ask for an extension. He's going to price himself out of Cincinnati a bit. But um, I, I personally think that the Bengals, if they truly value DJ Reader and not necessarily look at his age, but instead look at his production and what is his culminative value would be, they will be able to extend and keep him too under that salary cap. And that's going even on top of – you know, signing Jamar Chase and T Higgins and uh, Joe Burrow to their lucrative long, longer term deals. But the major key, the domino that absolutely just has to fall before you can talk about cap flexibility in future years is you got to get Joe Burrow extended. I also understand if he was talking about like, oh, man, waiting on a Her Justin Herbert domino to fall. To be honest, I don't even think they even care about that, if you ask me personally. Because it's always going to be a one person one ups another every other every quarterback they get signed is that that's just a cheap way to be the highest paid player in the NFL and that's just in my opinion dumb and I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals know that like dude we want to value we want to 
pay you your worth and you've worth a ton here and we want to make sure that we give you the right pieces at your disposal too and they show that they have as what you just illustrated there be there that they can do it they can do it and they can't be scared the one thing i am scared is that they're going to get too conservative that they're going to want to pull back the trigger a bit instead of pushing yourself against that limit to where you may go over the cap sometimes you may have to do that if you feel like it's worth it but they're not there yet chase what are your thoughts what do you what do you got us doing i agree with justin i think the main priority is joe burrow i think if you know you gave joe burrow a blank check he could he can write literally any amount of money that he wants in that thing the thing is, you know, when you look at other quarterbacks in the National Football League, like, for instance, one of our ops, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, for example, he wants lots and lots and lots of money. I think I'm not saying that Lamar is a selfish player to know, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, he wants he got it. his and he got it. You know, uh, Joe Burrow, like, I'm not saying that he's going to take a cut, but Joe Burrow knows that it's like, you know, he says, the window, like my window is my whole career. And if he takes a little less money, which I, which is not what the reports are saying, like, you know, he's going to get his, you know, the, you know, be the highest paid quarterback in the national football league, highest paid in history or whatever. But if there is a, if there is something where Joe Burrow does take a little less money in a scenario and a little less money talking about $45 million, that's higher level problems. uh, Oh my God. Like we're, we're we're gonna be here for ten years. Like we're gonna yeah. be, we're gonna be the main contenders for ten years type thing. But obviously, you look at it like if he's gonna, you know, get his fifty fifty five million. I think, um, like Justin said, that you know you got to get Burrow paid, and then you got to see what everything looks like after that, and you got to prioritize your distribution. Um, I think after that, the priority from what how Duke Tobin's been talking about. Uh, T Higgins and then you know I know there's DJ Reader and then there's even been Logan Wilson talk as well with his contract extension I think the number one priority after Joe Burrow once we get him signed to whatever amount of money that is which will be you know the uh, you know uh, uh, you know a bunch of bunch of trucks pulling up to his house and giving him sacks of money I think the next priority is, is T Higgins from what you know Duke Tobin's been saying he's like hey if you want to get your own T Higgins go find him it's it's you know, we got our guy. Go find yourself one. So I think yeah. T. Higgins is the next priority after Joe Burrow. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Bengals are able to adjust the numbers and, and you know, crunch the, uh, you know, crunch the finances with this. And it might have to leave a guy out like a like a DJ Reader, unfortunately. And DJ Reader's value to this team is incredible. We saw that last year when he was hurt after week three against the Jets, and then we just couldn't stop the run. He comes back, and we're one of the best run-stopping teams in the National Football League. So I think depending on what Burrow's number is in his contract and when it gets done, uh, I think that's going to be the ultimate you know, pulling of the trigger and seeing exactly how big of a mess or how beautiful it looks. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I, I don't think there's any – any doubt that the first domino that has to fall is the Joe Burrow contract. Um, but, you know, my favorite takeaway of this whole thing, the Ravens at 27th, I mean, you gave it a 31-year-old wide receiver coming off of his second ACL tear, $15 million, and a 13 and a half guaranteed. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know Not what the mention. process there was. Yeah. 
I, I mean, if that was incentive laden to 15 million, okay. But I don't think anybody else was in the ballpark. I don't think anybody else was over 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, uh, I think that he was, I think the incentive was up to 18 million, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. 15 yeah. up to 18. Right. And not to mention, uh, Odo Beckham Jr. last two times he's played since Steady Bengals tore his ACL. Just wanted to put that up. Oh man, don't don't do that to you. I, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, I'll just say it. it's, it's really bad. It bad is. juju out there, man. It is. It is. It's that, but then they're two and zero. Doesn't that? That's but, horrible to say. But I'm just saying, like, you know. But I tell you, you know, the way I looked at this thing with uh, putting this cap stuff together, I, I think Lacey, this may end up leading you down a rabbit hole that you might see on the. My, folks might be able to hear on a big bangle theory uh, later on down the road if you dive into this a little bit. But here's what I like about w- what we've got set up right now, right? Um, when I look at where you want to draft, where where you want to draft, where you want to be at in a draft, right? We're making late runs. We're winning a playoff game or two every year, right? And, I, and if we're going to continue doing that and stay on that run, you're going to be drafting in that 24 to 32 range. So I look at it this way. What is viable to get best off of board at 24 to 32? You can get good wide receivers there. You can get good tight ends. You can get the best middle linebacker in the draft there. You can get the best running back in the draft there. You can get some of the stuff. You can't get quarterback. You can't get edge rushers. You can't get tackles. Those guys go quick, and there's normally a bigger drop-off in rounds two and three on those players. So pay Orlando Brown. Pay Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, depending on who you think that next tackle is going to be or, or or who that next end is going to be, you know, it, if Hendrickson, maybe you got to extend him. Maybe you got to do what do what you got to do there and spend that money. Wilson may end up being a casualty. T, I don't think can hold us hostage, and I think he's a great wide receiver. And I, I, I want him to be a Bengal. I want everybody to know that. But if he says it's you know my number is twenty eight million dollars, well, you know I. I hope you enjoy playing somewhere else. You know, I mean, I think the Redskins are looking for somebody. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, I, like, I think you got to be real strategic about who you can draft, where those plateaus and follow-offs are, and who you got to pay. And I think they they're in a good situation with where that is now. But we got to we got an issue at right tackle next year. You know. You know. You brought up T. Higgins, and that make me think about something that I said during the Jamar Chase Panay Sewell debate. And I'm going to utilize that to kind of help open people's minds up a bit. <laughs> You're right. It might go down as a big bangle theory wormhole a little bit. Um, I said the reason why you choose Jamar Chase and not someone like a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle and stuff like that during the 21 draft over Panay Sewell, who everybody said that we need to protect Burrow. And my reason for it was simple. Well, it was not simple, but it was hard for people to grasp. But my reason for it was he was the perfect receiver that will unlock the rest of the nucleus of the offense in the receiving court. So my way of saying is that because we already had Boyd and Higgins there prior to him. They were good. But if you really are honest with yourself, 
their values were increased once Chase got there and helped them be able to diversify their games a little bit more. They were able to intermingle and intertwine so one guy can be a 1A, a B, and a C. That's why it was never no one who's the one, two, and a three. The people will assume, yeah, Jamar's the one, and obviously T. Higgins two, and Jamar, I mean, Tyler Boyd is three. But how we've always viewed it, and how I've always viewed it in my mind, was when you draft Jamar Chase, a true number one, he will allow T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd to showcase their abilities to be number ones, too. And in any given moment, any one of them can be a true number one. So it's going to elevate the receiving room. And then Joe Burrow will then elevate them. T, when I say all that to go back to this regarding T. Higgins. So to your point, if if T. Higgins is coming at us like, I want $25 million a year. I want to get the same. I want to get DK Metcalf's contract. I want to get Debo Samuel's contract. I deserve that. And I'll look at it and say, you damn right you deserve that. I hope that another team can be willing to overcome that because guess what? We understand that you may have came, you may have inflated your value. And a lot of Bengals fans may not like me saying this because I love T. Higgins. He is literally one of my favorite bank, my bank favorite players. In the league, not even just because he's oh, a Bengal. Great he's story, one of my too. Players. Awesome, oh. awesome, awesome. And he was also a Bengals fan growing up. He's a great story. Yes, love his story, man. And but at the end of the day, I also realized that the wide receiver pool of this day and age is better than it's ever been before. That's and true. I'm not saying you can go find a receiver. I don't want to be one of those people that say you can go find a receiver anywhere because it's hard to find a wide great wide receivers. We got one in the top of the second round in 2020, and we got one with the fifth pick overall in 2021. Those are those are not easy to just, you know, be fortunate to land those guys. Yeah. Um, so the Bengals saw stuff within T. Higgins while other people were passing them by. So he is special. But at the end of the day, his value, because he's on our team, he's playing with Joe Burrow, he's playing alongside Chase, he's playing alongside Boyd, and those guys have immense value themselves can inducely inflate your value a little bit to make you feel like that, oh, I'm the big dog too. And if I go, like TJ Hushman's out ahead to learn this the hard way. As much as I said that TJ was my favorite Bengal, his value was inflated because he played alongside Chad, that once he left and went to Seattle, it did not go well. And in fact, he was cut two years in after signing that extension. And then he we never really heard from him again until he signed with Baltimore. And even when he signed with the Ravens, it really wasn't much greatness there, but his best years were obviously clearly behind him. I don't think that T. Higgins is going to be that way, and I think that he's going to just simply – I think T. Higgins may just humble himself and, you know, say, like, I want to be here for the long haul, and I don't care. We're we going to make the money work regardless. But that's an interesting point that you bring up, though. Yeah, I I, I hope you're right. I, I don't trust his <laughs> I don't I don't trust his representative in that. Well well gentlemen, we are we're reaching the end of the road here um uh, as far as time goes. So I'm going to uh go right here to our parting shots. Uh anything you want to say, wrap up, get out to the world. Uh, Mr. Chase Younce at Younce Chase 32. Uh, I know you got some other stuff you can plug and anything else you want to get off your chest, go for it. Well, I know we didn't get to a point talking about our favorite team of all time, but I'm not saying this is my favorite team for the Bengals, but I really wish 2013 Bengals uh, could have went further in the playoffs. Uh, they had 
one of the best defenses I've ever seen in black and orange under Mike Zimmer. They were one of the most ferocious. Andy Dalton threw like 33 touchdowns with threw 20 interceptions. AJ Green had over 100, almost 100 catches and had 1,400 yards. Um, uh, just that Chargers game sticks in my mind. I was horrible. I just wanted to throw out there that 2013 team. You go and you take on the New England Patriots the next week, and you know maybe the Cincinnati Bengals uh, get to a bowl if we have a uh, competent quarterback and coach and other pieces that would have uh, made some sense. But also, by the way, check out uh, Cut the Chase Sports Podcast. We got some good things going on over there, and I just love the Bengals, man. And this is dope. Love it. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I did have, um, I think the first authentic stitched-on jersey I had was from 2013. It was Ray Maluga. I it love that guy. Anyway, awesome. uh, Mr. Justin Lacey at Juddy, that's J-U-T-T-Y underscore 13. What you got going on? What would you like to say as your party shots here, my friend? Oh, definitely. Well, I got to agree with Chase on the best, my favorite Bengal team. 2013 is right up there. It's, it's right up there. It's everybody talk all about the 2015 team, but little do people realize that the 2013 team, the Bengals had a secret best chance of going to the Super Bowl that year yeah. as well. I Man, I'm not saying that we were going to win it mm. because we already know the Legion of Boom ended up winning it and dominating that year. But I think that the Bengals was just far and away like one of the better teams in the AFC. Denver obviously was the best, obviously with Peyton Manning and his five flying uh, numbers. Yeah. But New England was not that not that dominant that season. They weren't. I mean, Tom Brady was great, and you know he had Gronk and all that. But the Bengals were a better team than them. And in fact, the Bengals beat New England uh, that same very year. That was the year yeah. we went undefeated at home. And we didn't just go undefeated at home. We destroyed people at home. It was just Good. so fun to watch that. Season. Tortured them. Tortured. I agree with you on that. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was just. It was just. It was fun. But yeah, unfortunately, it came and ended it with that disparity of a loss when the Chargers just came in and just upset us with Philip Rivers. Yeah, it just left a bad taste out of your oh, mouth. Yeah. But for me personally, um, yeah, this was absolutely fun. I will just kind of reiterate because I. I do want to touch base on the quarterback documentary from Netflix. I want you guys to get a chance mm -hmm. to watch and finish that. So that way we can kind of get up here and talk about a good amount of it as far as like what it means pertains to the Bengals. Again, it's going to mention that Bengals Chiefs rivalry. So brace yourself for that. And it's, you're going to inject a lot of Mahomes. It's just brace yourself for that too, to the point where it's like you're, like me, I'm chiefed out. I, I'm tired of talking it's about it. It's a buffet. It's a it's an entire it's, buffet and more. Yeah. It's it's too much. And for now, for me personally, it's about I'm tired of talking about them. This ain't about them. This is about us. We trying to get our ring, man. And I think you guys will walk away feeling like you yeah, you learned some stuff, but you're just kind of annoyed now at this point. And it's all Twitter is about these days. The media is eating up our Bengals Chiefs rivalry as, oh, we're the hot rivalry in the NFL. And honestly, I'm tired of placating to all of that stuff, even though I, I came in first loving it because my team is a part of a high-profile matchup uh, like this, quarterback matchup, I should say. But at the end of the day, man, I don't want to be buying into media hype. I just don't. So, But yeah, definitely – you know, check the uh, quarterback podcast out. I mean, not podcast, quarterback show. It's on Netflix, eight episodes. Yeah, I think you'll find it very in, informative, informative, I should say. Um, it does mention good parts about the Bengals, and I'll just leave it at that, and we'll, we'll touch base about it next time. 
Nice. Um, well, I, uh, I just got up and running our uh, new Twitter handle. You'll start seeing some more stuff coming at at running R U N N I N through T H R U the jungle. So that's running through the jungle. Um, we're going to have some shorts on there. We're going to have some, uh, some info on there and share all this stuff out there. So, uh, please like subscribe, share with your friends, do all those fun things. Um, my, my, my parting shot will be this. The AFC is a gauntlet. There's no doubt. I'd much rather be coming out of the NFC, be a little more confident about that Super Bowl we're chasing. But that said, no one's won the AFC North three times in a year. Looking forward to that. <laughs> I think I think that's in our grasp. I know we're the odds-on favorite for it, even though we saw some other teams. The Steelers had a great draft. Will those guys be ready to play? We don't know. Will Kenny Pickett take a big step? I'm not sure. Uh, will uh, Deshaun Jurgens get back to – his old self and uh, his ways. I'm not 100% positive. It's a slippery slope with him. Um, oh, the puns, huh? Um, too many, too many. Too many. That was great. That was great. But, you know, and then you got the Ravens. Um, what does OBJ look like? What does Zay Flowers look like? What does it look like when, uh, you know, are you going to see Lamar Jackson playing at the end of the season? He hasn't done that in the past two years. So there's a lot of questions, right? And there's always the wild cards. I think, you know, you got to stay healthy. We can't have any of the big guys getting hurt uh, for, for too long, you know, like missing the game here or there. But that's always part of the equation. But I like I like our chances here for uh, for setting setting the AFC North record with a three-peat. So that's, that's my cool. parting shot. So, for myself, Chase Younts, Justin Lacey, check us out next week as we are running through the jungle.